Connell Oak under pressure with a protest outside the Horse and Jockey Hotel over a cut to nitrate limits and changes to farm payment dates. Inside the building, Fianna Fáil's budget priorities are top of the agenda, with preparation also being done for the local and European elections, which are drawing rapidly into view. International search teams are arriving in Morocco to help with the rescue effort following an earthquake which has killed more than 2,000 people. Two and a half thousand more were injured when the tremor hit on Friday. It's understood King Mohammed of Morocco has thanked Spain, the UK, UAE and other countries for sending aid. Dr Claire Makaki from Bangor in County Down is a hospital worker in Marrakesh. Villages and the towns have very, very difficult access, even at the best of times. The roads are damaged, um, it's very difficult to get help up to them, and it's very difficult to bring people down. But we are now, those, those injured are now getting to us. Local authority staff are engaging in industrial action indefinitely from today. Employees who are represented by the Forza Trade Union are refusing to carry out engagements with politicians. The union is calling for better pay and conditions for staff who they say are working above their pay grade. Secondary school students may soon be taught about road safety. Following a series of road tragedies involving young people, it's understood the Education Minister wants senior cycle students to cover the topic in school. The Irish Times reports that Norma Foley has written to the Road Safety Authority asking it to examine the issue of an education programme for schools. Over 200,000 more people will be able to visit their doctor for free from today. Eligibility for free GP visits is being expanded, meaning many working people who pay rent, mortgages or childcare will now be able to benefit. Applications can be made from today on the HSE website. Health Minister Stephen Donnelly says it's the latest initiative towards universal health care for all. This is an important measure. It's one measure aimed at really dramatically reducing the costs of health care and making sure that health care in Ireland is affordable for everybody. 40% of people have expressed discomfort in discussing or considering palliative care as they associate it with end of life. Research carried out by the All-Ireland Institute of Hospice and Palliative Care involved over a 1,000 people. The study shows adults are now less inclined to address the topic than they were in 2016. Director Karen Charnley wants to raise awareness during Palliative Care Week. Palliative care is so much more than the last days of life. It's available for people of all stages of illness as well as people of all ages. So I think, you know, what we're trying to do is promote the benefits of palliative care and raise awareness that it isn't just those at end of life. North Korean leader Kim Jong-un appears to have set off for Russia where he's expected to meet President Putin for talks in the coming days. Mr Kim, who hasn't left the country in four years, is thought to be travelling on his private train. Moscow hopes to secure more supplies for its military in Ukraine. Tip FM obituaries and weather next. It's happening. They've all overheard. All I wanted was a little low-key McDelivery. Me and my brother, but Mum's piped in with her. Ooh, I'm in. Filet fish and a Diet Coke, no ice. And Dad's muscled in with his. Yes, I'm in. Big Mac with fries and a strawberry milkshake, please. So I give my brother a little eye roll. Oh well, family dinner it is. At least I can steal some of Dad's fries. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants only. 16 plus. Serving times, delivery fees and terms apply. See mcdonalds.ie for details. Tip FM has been informed of the following deaths. Tony Grant, Glenview, Lisrona, Clonmel and late of Erlingford, County Kilkenny. Funeral arriving to St John the Baptist Church, Lisrona this morning for Requiem Mass at 11, followed by burial in the adjoining cemetery. 
Paddy Guinan, formerly of Redwood, Laura and England. Funeral arriving to St. Rowan's Church, Laura, for Mass at 12 noon today, with burial afterwards in the adjoining cemetery. John Kelly, who of you? Chadville, Capo White. Arriving in Our Lady of Fatima Church, Capo White, this morning for Requiem Mass at half eleven, with burial afterwards in St. Michael's Cemetery, Tipperary. Theresa Redden, Nee Walsh, Main Street and Templemore Road, Clock Jordan. Funeral Mass at 12 noon today in St. Michael and John's Church, Clock Jordan, with burial afterwards in the adjoining cemetery. Jenny, Jean Edwards, Nee Keeley, Castle Connell, County Limerick, formerly of Ashfield, Ballock Moyler, County Leash and recently Park Nursing Home, Castle Troy. Reposing at Meehan's Funeral Home, Castle Connell, from 5.30 to 7.30 this evening. Arriving on Tuesday to St. Joseph's Church, Castle Connell, for Requiem Mass at half eleven, with burial afterwards in St. Joseph's Cemetery, Castle Connell. Family flowers only, please. Donations if desired to Parkinson's. Dan, Ryan Morrissey, Loch Moreau, Milestone Thurless and St. Theresa's Nursing Home Thurless. Reposing at O'Dwyer's Funeral Home Upper Church this evening from 6 to 8 o'clock. Funeral arriving on Tuesday morning to St. Patrick's Church, Kilcommon, for funeral mass at half eleven with burial afterwards in Upper Church Cemetery. Nora Slattery, Nee Whelan, Drummond Asgart, Ballycommon, Nina, formerly of St. Joseph's Park, Nina. Reposing at Ryan's Funeral Home, Nina, from five to seven o'clock this evening. Funeral arriving to St. Patrick's Church, Pocon, on Tuesday for a funeral mass at eleven o'clock, followed by burial in Nye Cemetery. House private, please. Lena, Helena Lattimore, Nee Golden, St. Oliver's Close, Ellen Park, Clonmel, the late of Kilmaine, Ballinrobe, County Mayo. Reposing at O'Donoghue's Funeral Home, Kickham Street, Clonmel, on Tuesday evening from 5 to 7 o'clock. Lena's funeral will arrive at St. Oliver's Church on Wednesday morning for Requiem Mass at half eleven, followed by burial in St. Patrick's Cemetery. May they rest in peace. Live streaming details are available on tipfm.com. Tip FM weather. Tip FM weather. Cloudy with outbreaks of rain and drizzle today, turning persistent and heavy at times. The rain will ease off gradually this evening. Feeling noticeably cooler with highest temperatures of 16 to 19 degrees. It's 17 degrees in Carrick and Shore at the moment. That's your update for now. You can get more local stories via the Tip FM app or at tipfm.com. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on. On 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Thanks, Pat. Uh, welcome back to the second hour of Tip Today. 1800 938 007, our free phone number. You can text in WhatsApp 083 311 You can email, by the way, as well. That's uh, tiptoday at tipfm.com. Now, if you've just uh, joined us, uh, Ali um, brought us a live report this morning from the Horse and Jockey Hotel and uh, the Fianna Fall thinking is going on there and uh, IFA are protesting outside and they appear to be very, very angry indeed. George was on to us to say the minister is a disgrace and that's making reference, I guess, to uh, Charlie McConnell, the angry minister. Uh, George goes on to say he'll go down in history as the man that finished off the small to medium dairy farmer because we can't compete on the rental market against the big dairy men. I'm sorry to say the whole concept of the family farm is going to die if this crowd continue on their present course. That's according to George. Somebody else 
with an opposing opinion, on to say, just to say that farmers are always crying. You'd be sick of them, it says. They're at the Horse and Jockey Hotel, hotel today and tomorrow. That's two days off. The ploughing next week, three days off. Oh, my God. And uh, for the young people uh, driving the tractors as well, they're going very fast and they're on mobiles and they're hugging the road as well to a listener who's not too fond of uh, our farming uh, people out there. Um, Fran, would you please bring up the issue of the farmers' children who are trying to build on their own land? My daughter has basically uh, been told that she will be turned down even uh, before she puts in her application. Now, again, opposing that because we touched on that when I was speaking to Peter Ryan earlier on. And one of our listeners says, Fran, the 10-year rule is there to protect the countryside as the services are not in place for sewage treatment, uh, bus routes, etc. And it allows siblings uh, born in the country to stay living in the country once they prove their 10 years living in the area. It also protects farming practices, so some rules are not that bad. So that's just a taste of what's uh, been coming into us this morning. Now, on Friday's programme, and uh, during the panel, in fact, on uh, Friday, we spoke again about the Wolf Tones' biggest gig of all time at the Electric uh, Picnic. Now it's been trending all weekend as well. It's still a huge discussion because there was lots of opinion pieces on it on the newspapers about it over the weekend. And Patricia joins me now. Patricia, good morning to you. Hello, Fran. How are you? I'm very well indeed, Patricia. Lovely to talk to you today. You have a unique percep- uh, perception of this, I suppose, because you were brought up in South Africa. Is that right? I was, Fran. Um, I actually uh, was born in London and um, left London when I was four and lived in South Africa for 17 years and um, left in 1987. Um, my mother was born and bred in Cashel and as was my father-in-law and my uh, my father was from Dublin. So um, our heritage, uh, my mother and father were always very proud of their Irish heritage. You know, they always instilled it in us. Um, uh, we joined a Caledonian society, so once a month we'd head off and do some Irish dancing, Irish music. Um, there was Scottish, Welsh, and um, the Irish, you know, mm. and it it was great fun. It was great crack, and um, you know, we'd listen to the Clancy Brothers and Tommy Makem and all the rest of it. So yes, I think it's 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 a great thing that you, you know, you're made aware of your of your heritage and where you you actually come from. Do you know? And uh, are you surprised then with all of the controversy around some of the Wolf Tones songs, Patricia? Well, you know, I have to say, I mean, my mother and father were never really, you know, they never spoke about um, the troubles or, mm. you know, I, I remember my mother, she would speak more about how cruel the nuns were maybe when they were going to school rather than, you know, but I, I might be opening a can of worms here, I'm not sure. But, uh, you know, yeah. those youngsters, uh, you know, when they were singing and, and all the rest of it, um, their parents might still be very young. Would their parents have maybe lived in the troubles? You know that kind of way, like their grandparents maybe would have um, have known more about the troubles than those youngsters were, and maybe they were just getting caught up in the moment, or you know, I don't yeah. know, enjoying themselves and singing along. Well, it might, I, I don't it know. might be similar to your own situation, Patricia. I mean, you you said that you were listening to the Clancy Brothers and Tommy Makem and the like when you were in South Africa, but you were listening and enjoying those songs without getting caught up too much in the politics, I suppose. 
Absolutely. As yeah. I say, my mother and father, you know, we never, they never really spoke about the troubles. They never instilled anything in us other than our Irish heritage. You know, there was never, oh, well, this is about the English or that. I know when they left Ireland and went to live in England, I mean, obviously there was, you know, no Irish, no dogs, no black mm-hmm. supply sure. when they yeah. were, you know, going to look for houses and things. But that's as far as it went. They never really, you know, said anything more than that. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, another thing that interests me, in fact, because I, I used to tour playing music, Patricia, and I could never get over how more powerful songs and the tradition is outside of Ireland, if you know what I mean. It seems to be more important to Irish people abroad almost than it is in, in, in our own country here. Oh, I think so. I do. And that's why, you know, people are proud to be Irish. And it's very important not to forget your heritage and where you actually come from. Mm. Do you know, for me, I think, you know, um, that's why I think with my parents and my father-in-law, as I say, he was born and bred in Cashel as well. um, You know, it is important for them. It's important to remember where you come from because Mm. it's, it's easy to forget. And you, well, I'm guessing you don't think it's any harm then for that you had, what is it, almost 20,000 young people singing back ooh-ah up the ra because that seems to be the controversial line that everybody's talking about. Does that, that doesn't concern you then, Patricia, does it? Um, I don't, um, I don't think so because, mm. I mean, as I say, I think maybe they were just being caught, they were caught up in the moment. Do you know, if you, do, do kids these days have a political view? Do you know, they, they, they quite, um, they're quite indifferent to things. Do you know that kind of way? They, they, they. Um, I, I'm not sure, to be honest, so, Brandon, so if I can like, answer that honestly. Yeah, so it was like a collective chant in a way, I suppose, like a soccer chant or something like that. And that's all it was, uh, I suppose. Um, I think so. You yeah. know, I don't think that there was any um, malice or intent behind it. Do you yeah. know, they were there having a good time, caught up in the moment, and... Um, I don't know, maybe mass hysteria, you know. They, yeah. they were just enjoying themselves, really, I think. I don't think there was any intent in, or, or harm in, uh, intended in it. And it's interesting to see that now we're looking at sell-out gigs everywhere for the Wolf Tones, including the uh, the, the Three Arena in October. So it's, a, it's certainly an ill wind that has blown very well for the Wolf Tones. Yeah. It certainly has. Yeah. But if you look at, I mean, you know, you look at the Irish... Um, in, 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 in Europe, I mean, they're well known for their, their um, support. Look at the soccer, do you know, that kind of way. Everywhere mm. you look, they, they are well known for, for being supportive and singing and, do you know, that kind of way, having yeah. the crack. Sociable and all of that, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. You, you said in passing there, your, your mum was from Cashel, Patricia, is that right? She, she is indeed, yeah, she yeah. is. And she, and she, she's well, I hope, is she? She is. She's okay. living in Ballingarry at the moment. Oh, very and, good. Yeah. Um, yep, she's alive and hearty in in Ballingarry. And my father-in-law, as I said, was from Cashel, and he is living in Cairns. Oh, excellent. And they left South Africa. Do you know, we lived in South Africa throughout the Troubles, and um, like that, you know, um, our parents 
uh, lived through the troubles. We lived through the troubles, uh, apartheid. Yes. Uh, you know, we, we had a very privileged upbringing, as it were. Uh, and were, the were you there for yes. the transition of, of government? I was. Were you? Wow. Okay. I was indeed. I was on honeymoon when Nelson Mandela was released from prison in Cape Town. My husband and I were on um, honeymoon. Um, I still have a brother living in South Africa, but um, my husband's family have actually left. You see, um, I never had any family there. We only ever just grew up there because of my dad's job. Yes. So there was just six of us. So, but my brother, um, my sorry, my husband has a brother living there, Sean and Karma. Hello, guys, if you're listening in, and um, his other family have all left. They've all left South Africa now at the moment and they're back in Ireland. My God. And I suppose I'm sort of, you know, an interest in South Africa, but it certainly isn't living up to Mandela's vision for how the country would turn out. Would you agree, Patricia? 100%. Yeah. 100%. It's actually, it's it's, it's gone worse. It's it's worse. And people are leaving in their thousands trying to get away. And um, it's unfortunate. It's a beautiful country, absolutely beautiful. beautiful for sure, but yes. it's, yeah, it's it, it's not, as you say, it's, but it's, it's, it's not It's so it's dangerous now in areas of, of South Africa, which is which is such a pity. As I say, it, it certainly wasn't the vision uh, that he had. Could I ask you about, did your mum talk, did I hear you say, your mum talked about the cruelty of the nuns in Cashel growing up. She, she? Well, more, yes, more than, as I say, absolutely. She went to school, uh, you know, she'd always say how cruel the nuns were rather than um, you know, everybody knows how hard the, the nuns and the Christian brothers yeah, were sure, when going yeah. to school and she spoke more of that you know, now she comes from a big family in Cashville, there's, there's, there was nine of them there's only three left right. and um, my father-in-law as I say is from Cashville as well and um, yeah, she would talk more about that rather yes. than the, the, the English or anything that happens. It's very, very interesting. I'm from Cashel too, you see, Patricia, yes. so I'd, I'd always be keeping an ear out when somebody mentions uh, Cashel. But there's certainly, there's a full discussion, I think, around education in Cashel back in the day, the nuns and the Christian brothers. And I think it's something that we will certainly get to at some point or other. Give, give my best to your mum, won't you, Patricia? I will indeed. She's uh, a Harding. She's one of the Hardings from Cashel. Oh, is she? Sure, I know all of the she, Hardings from Cashel. You do indeed. And my father-in-law is a Fitzgerald. Uh, you'd have Kieran and... Um, Kieran or Ramey, do you know, Borough Clock? Oh, Cashel? sure. Kieran's been a great friend of mine for years and years. Well, I... there you go. So that's a, And it's funny, you know, because the worst thing about having a funny accent is that, you know, if you're on the sideline abusing a ref, you can't deny it was you because you're the only one with a funny accent. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> so... I, I, bet they, I bet they can't pinpoint the accent, though, can they? No, no, no. no. And no. I've always, I'd have loved, I'd loved to have picked up an Irish accent, but as I say, we've been gone a very long long time so i suppose it's it, it stays with you yeah, well, but can a... i say a few hellos of course you can Patricia. okay can. so i'd like to say hello to um everybody that knows me and um my mother and my father-in-law and my mother-in-law and my uh, children are in australia my two of my sons are in australia and they're listening in so i'd like to say hello to them and um to my work colleagues um, we are home sport and they're a wonderful bunch of ladies and they're doing a wonderful job. Well, it was fantastic to uh, talk to you today and I just love your accent, by the way, Patricia. Well, I'm so very self-conscious of well, it. Well, don't be in the least, don't be, <laughs> and don't take any abuse about it either. Patricia, lovely to talk to you. Real, Thank real you delight. for having me. Thank you. And Thank my you. husband, Tony. Thanks for Thanks very bye, much, Bye-bye. Bye-bye bye 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 bye. to, uh, to uh, Patricia and Tony there and her mum.
and uh, all the family there. We'll take a break and uh, we'll be back with more in just a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Coming up from 12 midday. The Lunchtime Show with Stephen Keogh. Then from 3pm, it's Owen Lonergan on Drive Time. Playing the music you love. The music you love. All afternoon. Tip FM. It's time. It's time to embrace you and your health. Whether you'd like to make some simple lifestyle changes or have a specific health concern, Beacon Limerick's world-class comprehensive health check provides a full analysis of your well-being today so you're always ready for life's journey ahead. Call Beacon Limerick Health Check at 061-233000 and take a proactive approach to your health. No GP referral required and no waiting times. Are you looking for the perfect lunch spot with plenty of free car parking? Then why not sample the delicious Carvery lunch with scrumptious roasts, tasty salads and yummy desserts at the Talbot Hotel Clonmel. Available seven days a week. See talbothotelclonmel.ie Has the time come for your Skoda timing belt to be changed? At La Heart Skoda Clonmel, we have a special offer price on timing belt replacements. From only €599, including parts and labour. Book online today at lahearts.ie 052-618-0323. Terms and conditions apply. Thinking of an evening programme this winter? College of Further Education and Training Mulgrave Street Campus is now enrolling for all its evening programmes. Visit collegeofet.ie slash mulgrave and click on the part-time apply link. Registration is easy. Find us on Facebook and Instagram to get details on our new September 23 programs. Find the best in you with Mulgrave Street Campus Limerick. Don't miss the big baby event at Lidl. Mix and match multi-buys across our award-winning Loopy Loop Premium Nappies range from two packs for two euro. Get dreamy prices on 100% cotton baby sleep suits, two for six euro. And feed the little ones at little cost. Loopy Loop food range, 20% off on Lidl Plus. Go on, shop without compromise. Go full Lidl today. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Mick was on to us. He says, when talking about the Wolf Tones, don't forget our own Rebel Hearts. Every bit, if not better than the Wolf Tones, is Mick with the same type of music I see from Facebook uh, that uh, they had a sellout concert in Liverpool last week. Well, thanks for that, Mick. But if you were listening every single uh, time we spoke about the Wolf Tones, we mentioned Rebel Hearts. We also mentioned all the other young ballad groups who were emerging out there like uh, Tumbling Paddies and uh, the Whistling Donkeys and all these various groups uh, as well. But thank you for that. 83 311 Now it looks like Ali is doing a world tour of Tipperary today. So far she's been in uh, the horse and jockey. Uh, where are you now, Ellie? I'm in Dahl now this morning, Fran. Uh, it's a busy and stressful morning on tip today <laughs> this morning, but thankfully I'm in the right place this morning because Excellent. here in Dahl I am at the Irish Heart Foundation. They have a mobile unit set up here just beside the church in the community hall where they'll be conducting screening all day. And the good news is it's a walk-in screening. And to tell us more, I'm delighted to be joined by Peter Mulcahy from the Irish Heart Foundation. Peter, good morning. Good morning, Alison. And uh, good morning to all your listeners on T- Tip FM. And welcome to Tipperary. Tell 
tell us what's the purpose of being here today? Well, we've been asked to come here from Dewhill Community Centre to do um, healthy heart checks on the whole community and all the different groups that use the community centre here. So we're delighted to be here today. And it's all being done in the van that you have here today and you can't miss it because it's bright red and has the Irish Heart Foundation on it. Tell us, what is the procedure in getting a check or a screening? Well, today we're doing blood pressure checks and we're doing pulse checks. And then there could be a few lifestyle questions that the nurses might ask the clients, you know, and then there could be a bit of a chat with the nurse afterwards, you know, depending on the conversation. So, you know. So is it just kind of the cuff like you'd normally have at a GP or is it more than that? Exactly. It's a blood pressure cuff. Exactly. Okay. And what are you hoping to learn then from that? Well, we can gather from the individual, you know, from either the pulse or the blood pressure, if there might be anything underlying, whether it could be something simple, maybe somebody didn't sleep well that night or they could be anxious or, you know, a few different various things, you know. And what's the importance then of having a mobile screening unit as opposed to maybe someone going into their GP to getting it checked? Well, you see, we can get to areas where, you know, like rural areas or places where there might be you know, pressure on services, you know, yeah. on GP services, which, you know, around the country there is at the moment. So we find wherever we go, we're very welcome. That's you great. know, people are delighted to see us and, you know, the service that we provide. And we can kind of, we create an awareness so we can catch some people early, which is fantastic. Yeah. How long have you been operating the mobile element of the screening programme? Well, as far as I know, it's going since 2016. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Yeah. And a big take up? Oh, huge massive as you yeah. can see today yeah you know <laughs> we have uh, we've a good few people here you know looking forward to getting their their checks so yeah everywhere we go we're very popular and the important thing to say as well is you don't have to book in you can just arrive on absolutely yeah, yeah. you know when we go to different areas when we're asked to come to the Irish Heart Foundation it's a free service yeah so people can arrive you know it's yeah. free yeah and someone who just got theirs checked is Brendan Keating from the Community Council here in Dahl. Well, Brendan, how's it going? Morning, Bad Alison, news or good go. news? Oh, very good news, yeah. Good man. I'm delighted with it. When <laughs> <laughs> um, you're involved in a bit of sport, we'll say cycling, myself and uh, Logan Club here, South Tip Cycling Club, yeah. and we go out cycling regularly, so it's good for the head and good for the, the body, as the fellow said. How did you find the procedure? Is it just the same as you'd go to a GP and Absolutely. get the cuff on? Absolutely, not a problem. Not a problem. Yeah. Not a, no problem at all, yeah. Just go in and get the cuff on and just check the heart rate and that. Everything yeah. is... Find there, yeah. is, is it something you get checked fairly often? You're only uh, a young fella. I go to, I'm only a young fella. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Looks can be receptive. <laughs> no, I get checked. I get blood checked uh, annually. We'll say once a year. We'll say yeah. just keep an eye on things. We'll say keep an eye on on, on um, cholesterol and all that type of stuff. We'll say and, and heart. We'll say and get it checked. Um, no, it's important to get it checked once a year. I think anyway yeah. myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it the first time you've had the mobile unit here in Dahl? Well, the first time that I can recollect has been here anyway. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah it's the first time I've ever seen it here. Yeah. It's it's a great idea to have. Uh, Lena Ryan as well is with us. Uh, you'll know Lena Fran, of course, a great friend of the show, a great friend of Tip FM and also part of Dahil uh, Dramatic Society as well. Uh, Lena, you were showing me around the hall here. Fantastic facility. I mean, it's always hopping, isn't it? This is a fantastic... This morning going on in the, the hall is full with a, a yoga class and there's a second one for the elderly, which is a chair yoga. Kathleen Loney is here to do that. Yeah, the hall is always always packed and that's made possible by a wonderful community council, really led by by the Maloney family. They live just down the road here. They have a key. It's always available. But nothing that you want to go on. They
they will try and facilitate it. Now, they're not always the easiest to deal with, but they do try very hard and very accommodating. So that's what She's right it. here now. That's why you're saying that, being bowled. Yes, that's right. But, you know, um, it, it, it's the focal point for the community. Yeah. It's an old school hall that has huge amount of history. It's right beside the church. But, you know, um, and it is magnificent for the area. And anything that goes on here, Alison, which I think is because the Maloney family are so intrinsic here in it, it, the whole community uh, join in mm-hmm. and are involved in it. They had a whole walk and, and uh, wellness week this week. Things going on all week, hugely supported. A lot of it done for various charities and there's a lot of charity events that go on here. But it's a co- it really is a community hall and a community spirit here like I have never known yeah. anywhere else. So and it's great to see that health and well-being is such a focal point of that when you see the van here as well today. It's not just about having shows for local groups. I mean, it's about the well-being of and, its community. And I think that's hugely important in yeah. the rural area because sometimes people are afraid because this call is so welcoming. People can drive past and think, I'll run in there. Nobody will see me. Nobody will know whether I have a heart or I don't have a heart. So yeah. it's much more welcome and much more easy for people to do it, as yeah. you can see from the number of people here this morning. Absolutely. Also joining me here then as well is uh, Pat Rossiter, who's chairman of the Dramatic Society as well. Are you on the way in or on the way out, Pat? I'm just hanging in there now. <laughs> I'm okay. Did you get your pressure checked? I did. I know I'm just coming since. So Thank I'm God. Okay. Thank God. <laughs> Tell me about the Dramatic Society. I know it's a busy time for Dramatic Societies Since, across the uh, country. We're just starting to rehearse now for our new play, uh, Widow's Paradise. Wow. So uh, it's a big cast, 11. So we're having, we have a small stage, like so we're renovating at the moment, trying to get it up and running. Great. So we're going flying. How many members do you have then with the Dramatic Society? Oh, well, about, we'd have all, probably 15 of us in all, like, Great. you know. And growing all the time? Growing all the time, yeah. Uh, yeah. We had uh, several different directors. We had uh, Brenda Mahoney from Tamel, Justin Erman, and Michael Pollard. And now we have uh, we had uh, Catherine McVicker as well. And now we have uh, Will Nugent. Yeah. Is with us. So. Fantastic. Well, wish you all the best with it for the upcoming season anyway. Can, can I just jump in there as I usually do, Alison? Yeah. We we are looking for a young man to play a oh. small part at the moment. How young is young, Lena? Oh, as young as possible. Right. <laughs> no, I mean between the ages of 20 and 40. But we also welcome always new members. Yeah. But the, the, our, our play is very specific and we would welcome uh, interest from anybody. Yeah. They can follow us on Facebook or contact Pat or any member of the cast. You know, um, and it's, it's, it's a great show. And the funny thing is, sit in a caravan so uh, it'll be very very good and uh, you know we're going a long time but so is there anybody out there that would be interested you know get in touch yeah she put it out there there you were all listening michael is here as well michael you're a local resident um how encouraging is it to see things like this in, in rural communities and the irish heart foundation traveling around for screening good morning Alison. yeah i just called down here to my local hall just to um, get the, the free screening here kindly put on by the irish heart foundation yeah it's, it's great absolutely as you can see here, we're, we're, we're in a rural area and it's lovely to be able to get a service like this yeah. to, to come to our doorstep. I'm similar to Brendan in, in the sense that I do a bit of cycling as well with South Tip Cycling Club. So it's nice to just check out, make sure everything is, yeah. is, is working heart-wise as well, you know, because we, we do do uh, quite a bit of training. And as part of Wellness Week that was going on in here, as, as you touched on uh, previously, we had our own... So to put on a, a 20k introductory cycle to try and get you know new pe- new Great. people involved in that yeah. yesterday and it went off really really well so we had a lovely little 20k spin so well and that's what it's all about trying to get more par- you know participation in that and the hall facilitates that I know Elena alluded to it as well it's a, it's a fantastic community here mm. anything that you want to put on and you know in, in relation to a f- function on the hall is all, is always facilitated 
and I think the, a lovely asset to that this week was the was the wellness weekend. Yeah. There was something for everybody in it, be it walking, cycling, yoga, you, you, you name it, to, yeah. to, to mention what a few of the activities that were on here this week and all well supported. Absolutely, and it's great to see, and there is yoga going on in the hall at the moment. Peter, though, if I finish up with you, if there are other communities like Dahl who are looking to have this screening van brought to their area, how can they do that? If they contact, if they go onto our website, irishheart.ie, they'll see all the contact names there okay. and they can just send an email and request us mm. you know because it's great i mean in this day and age unfortunately where it can be kind of difficult to get a gp appointment pretty quickly i mean here you can get something done which might give you a bit of peace of mind anyway or set the basis for maybe medical or healthcare going forward absolutely Pe- people have fears natural fears you know none of us like getting checked you know there's that kind of yeah. feeling that we're getting tested but the majority of the people, they come out and, like you said, they have a bit of peace of mind. Yeah. You know, they be, could be worrying about something in the background. And that's why it's great that we can get to these communities. Yeah. You know, that are kind of not hidden away, but, you know, the services aren't there that they have in the bigger towns. Yeah. So so it's there for them. Yeah. Well, it's great to talk to everyone here in Dohal this morning. Uh, so it's a walk-in, as we mentioned. You don't have to book in. So they're parked up here till half two today, I believe, isn't it? 2.30 today. So if you're in the area and you need to get your blood pressure checked, or indeed if you just want to, it's a great facility here, here at Dohal until half two today. Back to you in studio. Thanks, Ali. But Mike was on to us and he's wondering, could you shift the blood pressure check to the horse and jockey? He thinks it might be very useful down there. So, <laughs> Yeah, actually, Peter, uh, <laughs> They're saying, given the protest that's happening up in Horse and Jockey today, you might have a good few customers up there. It might be worth <laughs> a trip. He might stop there on the way back, Fred. All right, cool. Thanks very much indeed, Ali. That's Ali out and about for us uh, in Duhill uh, right now. 1800-938-007. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. When it's sunny in Ireland, you might think to yourself it's a good time to slather on the Factor 50 or join the queue for the ice cream van. But did you know it's also a good time to pop on a wash or run the dishwasher? Because when it's sunny out, there's more renewable electricity being produced, which means it's a good time to use your electrical appliances. To learn more about the best times to use your electrical appliances and get energy-saving tips and information, visit esbnetworks.ie slash weather. ESB Networks, delivering the electricity network for everyone's clean electric future. Aldi is back at the National Ploughing Championships in Rathaniska County Leash from the 19th to the 21st of September. Meet our award-winning suppliers and sample their incredible products. Enjoy special guest appearances and much, much more from Ireland's most reputable supermarket. You can also catch the finals of the National Brown Bread Baking Competition and be there when the Grow With Aldi 2023 winners are announced. Told you it'd be intense. Or a marquee anyway. See you there. Aldi, everyday Irish, everyday amazing. A Million Medleys, the superb new show from Michael English. A special concert of globally loved million-selling hits that will leave you wanting more. Each song better than the next, and you'll want to sing along with every single song. A concert not to be missed, so get your tickets now. Michael English, A Million Medleys Tour, coming to Talbot Hotel Clonmel, Sunday, October 8th. Tickets €30 Euro plus booking fee from Hotel Reception and michaelenglish.ie. At Thurless Credit Union, in a 
addition to their traditional loans, you can borrow larger loans over a longer period. Car loans, home improvement loans, green energy loans and farming loans are all priced very competitively. Call Thurless Credit Union or for more, check out their new website, thurlesscu.ie. Thurless Credit Union is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Time now for Global Politics and uh, glad to be joined as usual on a Monday by politics and economics student uh, Thomas Conway. Good morning to you, Thomas. Good morning, Fran. Uh, good to see you today. We cannot speak about global events, I suppose, without making reference to that great tragedy that unfolded over the weekend in uh, Morocco, of course. I, I think it's about 2,100 people dead and rising. Something around that yeah. that's the approximate figure it's a devastating scenario it's Fran it really is a desperate scenario and I think what has aggravated it what has made it worse is the fact that it has struck a relatively uh, poor area of yeah. the country near the Atlas Mountains the Atlas Mountains this towering mountain range in the north of Morocco in the north it stretches across the north northern plateau of the country uh, a lot of small rural communities there which would have inadequate resources and facilities anyway. They've now been struck by this earthquake. There's been mass destruction, mass devastation. We've heard accounts of people sleeping outside on the streets, sleeping rough essentially overnight. Uh, it really is, it's a devastating scenario for all involved. Isn't it just? Give us a sense of the country first of all, Thomas, if you would. Morocco. Yeah, I was taking a look at looking at, uh, at facts and figures about it this morning. You know, it's a country of about 38 million people. Uh, quite a... It's known as a tourist haven, known mm. as a tourist destination. A lot of people will be familiar travelling to the lights of Marrakesh to Agadir, which is the other city. So it's quite popular among tourists and it relies on tourism for a large part of its economic activity. It's, it's a big economic component there. Uh, politically speaking, it kind of came out better off after the Arab Spring of 2011. If we reverse back to 2011 and think of the Arab Spring, mm. which was this wave of democratic uprisings across the north of Africa and the Middle East, a lot of the countries involved in that regressed subsequently. So there might have been elements of democracy creeping in. A lot of them kind of went backwards in the years subsequent to that. Morocco didn't really. It mm. kind of established a uh, what I would describe as a quasi-democratic system of government. It's a constitutional monarchy, which means the head of state is a is a monarch, is a king, King Mohammed VI. Uh, but it also has a prime minister and an executive government. Right. So, so similar to the UK to si some extent? To some extent. To yeah. some extent. Now, there are problems. There's endemic corruption. Yes. There are problems like that which we associate, we will be familiar with when it comes to African countries. But it has... It's certainly more stable than a lot of countries. I look at the the general trend of the countries in that region, the likes of Tunisia, Egypt, and Morocco is certainly a lot more stable. The Economist Democracy Unit, for instance, labels it as a hybrid regime. So that's a, a democratic regime with elements of autocracy or authoritarianism, whichever way you want to put it. So it's somewhere in the middle. It's not quite a it's not quite a true democracy. But it's not an authoritarian regime either. 
it's somewhere in the middle of those two yeah, those two extremes. Interesting country. I took the ferry from southern Spain across many, many, many years ago and I was trying to rack my brains for memories of it. But the, the main memory I have is huge numbers of, of people in on top of you and stuff and, you know, trying to get you to buy this and that and the other thing, you know. But lots of people, lots of population. Yeah, I would ima- and I would imagine, and I haven't been myself, I'll, I'll admit, but I mean, any account I've heard of the place is this bustling, yeah. uh, frenetic market yeah. town and market cities with people teeming across from everywhere. It also, it is worth noting, it is home to migrant detention centres. A lot of the migrants which would come across from Africa, uh, from the Middle East, would depart from countries like Morocco and Tunisia. And as a result, you have these migrant detention centres which have sprung up in the country. The human rights organisations have been highly critical of them, of the conditions there. Uh, it's, it's, I suppose, a blessing that none of them have been implicated in this current crisis, or at least I haven't heard of that, uh, yeah, that the earthquake hasn't struck those areas. And speaking of what, I mean, it was a very comprehensive um, uh, earthquake indeed. And with technology the way it is, I mean, was there any warning about well, this? Well, you would imagine so, and you would imagine, and we referenced it just off air, the, the earthquake in Turkey earlier sure. this year, that there should be early warning or early detection systems, but they clearly were not in place. Now, Morocco isn't a place, I think, that suffers earthquakes very regularly, but surely a natural disaster of this scale, of this gravity, people should be looking out for it. People should be prepared for it and prepared for its effects and after effects. And that does not seem to be the case. Now, it'll be very interesting to see how the government handles it. I was looking at a profile of the Prime Minister, Aziz Akanoush is his name. He served in office since 2021, former billionaire politician, or billionaire businessman, rather. Uh, He is now head of the government there. It will be very interesting to see his response to the crisis and the response of King Mohammed VI, how well they handled the scenario because it is a really it's going to be a sensitive scenario now. We saw the the effects the earthquake had in Turkey the effect it had on Erdogan's popularity even though he did secure the presidency afterwards in the election but it hurt him without doubt so will this be the same in Morocco? It'll be very interesting. It's interesting to see where aid is going to come from and how quickly that aid will get there as well because already there's concerns around that. Yeah and international actors will be will be particularly will be critical will be of huge importance of crucial importance you think of Morocco it depends to a certain extent on foreign aid Mm. its economy is is, is stable as I mentioned before but that doesn't mean that it doesn't have holes and holes in its budget and its expenditure which it needs to fill with investment from from countries in the European Union from countries in the West more broadly America, its allies and they will all need to channel funds into Morocco in order to help alleviate the distress of the people involved in this crisis and there are many and in the meantime, as you say, you know, people already in poverty suffering greatly. Some of the photographs in the newspapers today just... Are shocking, are de- shocking. There's no other way to describe that's, them. That's for sure. Um, OK, on to other uh, matters then. And uh, Kim Jong-un, who gets uh, quite a few mentions on, on your slot, uh, Thomas, but a relationship with Putin and what's... What's that about? Yeah, this is, I mean, this is worrying, isn't it? I mean, two two tyrannical demagogues, really, uh, in charge of their respective countries, in charge of countries which are pariah states now. Russia mm-hmm. and North Korea are pariah states in the international system. They've been isolated out of a lot of global uh, global payment systems, global relations to a certain extent. And there appears to be... Uh, 
an alliance developing between the two of them. Now, it is very interesting to see how this will play out and how this will play out in the months and weeks to come. We had the G7, or the G20 summit rather, in India over the weekend. Vladimir Putin was not present at that. Worth mentioning, neither was Xi Jinping. And China has been ally of North Korea as well as Russia. So we had this G20 summit at the weekend. We had a joint declaration at the end of it, which failed to explicitly condemn the war in Ukraine. It was kind of... Its language was lukewarm. It was soft, I think. Uh, I certainly wasn't impressed with it. But now we have this burgeoning relationship between North Korea and Russia, and it mm. really is a source of concern. So what are we talking... Are we talking about arms weaponry here? Is that... Is Th- that that what is specifically about? what we're talking... When we talk about Kim Jong-un, invariably we're talking about nuclear weapons yes. and the development of nuclear technology. And in this instance, his support... Could be tra- Putin essentially is looking for Kim's support. He's looking for Kim's support from a financial perspective, uh, from a from a military aid perspective, and in return, Kim is demanding certain things in return. One of that would be nuclear technology and nuclear secrets. Essentially, he wants to know how he can develop his nuclear weapon system to become more advanced, to become more lethal. He's already done it to a certain extent. He's already launched a number of new missiles, a number of new devices, if you like. Uh, The next step, apparently, is a nuclear-powered submarine, which he is hoping to develop in the near future. And he's looking to get crucial intelligence off Russia. Uh, crucial in this is the kind of the procurement of the knowledge and the expertise to actually develop these weapons, to to have the know-how to. Scary. It's scary. scary it's scary stuff. stuff. It is scary. How stuff. are they feeling in South Korea about this? South Korea are feeling worried, yeah. and I mean the North, the South obviously cooperates with the United States. It cooperates with Japan. It has it has its own alliance down there. But certainly any developments like this up in the north of the country are worrying because South Korea is effectively the front line. Uh, You know, it is North Korea's nearest neighbour. Its relations have been rocky over the period since the Korean War. They've stabilised at times. There was a period recently when it seemed like maybe there was a bit of a detente, a bit of a cooling in the relationship between the two. That has kind of faded now. Kim Jong-un has retreated back into his shell, retreated back into isolation, and he's now cutting an increasingly isolated figure. There are rumours that he may meet Russian President Vladimir Putin in the Russian city of Vladivostok, which is in... Mm on the eastern fringes. No, I, I thought he doesn't like to, to travel. He doesn't like to travel. And this is a, the last time he did travel, he travelled in kind of an armoured train, yeah. which was this, you know, major... Trump, wasn't it? Yeah. It, it, was, yeah, yeah. it was really, really peculiar and really, uh, really startling to see him trotting through the landscape in this big armoured train. There are rumours he will attempt to do so again. He's a man who clearly fears for his own safety outside of his own country. He fears for his own country's prospects as well because North Korea, we must remember, is home to deeply entrenched levels of poverty and endemic corruption in the political system, but there is huge poverty across the country. There's been the threat of famine there, uh, all sorts of humanitarian catastrophes looming ever since the COVID pandemic. And it was was the COVID pandemic really that damaged the country in many, many ways. It forced it to become more isolated, forced it to become uh, even more of a pariah state than it was previously, and it has left a legacy. And now North Korea is is as much a pariah as it has ever been. It is isolated. It is 
uh, a state which not has very few friends in the international system, it's hard to know which way it will look in the years to come. It's going to be very interesting because their positioning, as you said, between Russia and China is is uh, is crucial. Yeah, is crucial, yeah. and and that positioning, that positioning there is. You know, it's very interesting from an international relations perspective because North Korea is situated there. It has positioned itself in between China and Russia. It's an ally of both. How long it will remain an ally of both remains uncertain because China, as we've seen, can dispense with its allies. Russia, of course, needs as many friends as it can in this current landscape because it doesn't have many. So it'll be very interesting to see how that relationship dynamic plays out. It'd be very interesting to see what the Japanese make of this as well. Yeah, they're there as well. They're another actor in the fold, yeah. another Western country, so to speak. Yes, you know, but North Korea has been aggravating them over a period of time now, haven't Over they? a period yeah. of time with nuclear yeah. weapons yeah. tests. I mean, Kim Jong-un, is no, he really doesn't hold back, does he? I mean, he will run these nuclear tests, he'll run them in provocative areas, uh, provocative actions, and he is not afraid to... Uh, to really startle countries, particularly in its in its hinterland, in that kind of Japan South Korea hinterland, so it's a it's a very sensitive situation from a Japanese perspective, and will have to be handled with care as well. And and just briefly before we move on, and because you look into this kind of thing so uh, with such depth, um, it's a very dangerous world, isn't it? It's a very dangerous world we're living in, and I don't want to scare people, but I mean, nuclear weapons are nuclear weapons. And they're at the greatest threat since they were, since the Cold War, since that Cuban missile crisis yeah. in the early 60s. We haven't seen nuclear technology used in in battlefields as of yet. But I mean, we have Vladimir Putin hinting at a potential use of some kind of nuclear weapon, some kind of small scale tactical nuke in Ukraine. Were that to happen, that would unleash a can of worms. It would open up a, a Pandora's box if you like, uh, and could result in major catastrophe. We are living in a dangerous world. Now, there are treaties there. There are treaties mm. which countries are supposed to adhere to. You have the New START Treaty, which is a, a treaty on short-range missiles. You have a treaty on intermediate-range missiles, which Trump actually pulled out of during his time in office. Biden entered back into. So there are safeguards that have been put in place but it's looking increasingly fragile Isn't at it? this moment Isn't in time. Indeed. We ask you to look at a historical figure every time we speak, uh, Thomas, and I was telling you last time round off-air that I was reading a little bit about Warren Harding, the UK, uh, the United States president. Um, not much known about him, I suppose. Lesser-known leader? Not much known, and he only spent a couple of years in office. Yeah. He, he died in office, actually, in 1923. Uh, it was the subject of much coverage. He died... Kind of as a result of a long-term illness, a chronic illness, but it was still a surprise, no less, to the and American a, And a public. lot of conspiracy around it. A, a lot, lot of, of conspiracy around it. And his legacy, he was actually quite popular as mm. a president in office. He came into power in or around 1921 until his death in 1923. Leader of the Republican Party, one of the most popular sitting presidents in US history. And that contrasts with his popularity and the years after his death, it was kind of tainted posthumously. Uh, he became kind of a, a lampoon figure in American yes. media circles because of various controversies, various scandals, various extramarital affairs and stuff like that. Romance uh, was, a, you know, was something he, he actively engaged in. But he's a very interesting character and he lived a, he lived a, a very interesting, he lived a hometown life. He was mm. from the state of Ohio, uh, 
spend much of his life in Ohio and even throughout his presidential campaign decided to spend much of it within his home state uh, wooing people from 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 the confines of his home state uh, whilst other candidates mm. trekked and travelled across the country uh, in search of in search of votes. He had well at least one child with a mistress, didn't he? At least and, one child. That's well documented. That's well documented and came out after after his death. He had an extramarital affair with Carrie Fulton Phillips uh, of Marion in Ohio, and mm. Marion was his home place in Ohio, where he spent much of his life. He was deeply he was in love with his home state of Ohio. It has to be said. It must be said. We have to acknowledge that. But he was also in love with several women. Uh, Carrie Fulton Phillips was one of these. Uh, there was also another one, non-Britain or non-Britain. Uh, it was a relationship with her that's that eventually resulted in, in we think a child. Yeah. Uh, they aren't certain. There was at least one of them there. Certainly, uh, there may have been more of them. And this this all unravelled in the years after his death, which is kind of amazingly peculiar when you think about it. That none of it bubbled to the surface during his time during, as presidency. Time. Well, a lot of speculation on why, why that is and who his sponsors and backers were because the backdrop to his presidency was prohibition, of course, and, you know, I suppose America um, emerging from, from the First World War. Fr- emerging right? from yeah. the First World War, which was, he came at a critical time, you yeah. know. League of Nations had just been established. America had just come out. Woodrow Wilson had been in power. America had just emerged from the First World War. They were trying to establish a new multilateral world order. And Harding was at the at the core of this. He was the American president. He was the man at the centre of it all. And he did his best. He did his best in terms of foreign policy. Uh, he was very much a, a multilateral figure, like uh, intent on engaging with others and befriending mm. his partners in the international landscape. From a domestic political perspective, he was quite popular, as I mentioned earlier on, unleashed a string of economic policies, tax cuts. He was a Republican president, we'll we'll have to remind you, Mm. you know, I must remind you, which means he would be inclined towards these tax cuts and stuff like that. Uh, But he lived, uh, his presidency was brief, but it was impactful, is how I would describe it. Yeah, there's some very interesting... If people want to chase up on him, there's all sorts of conspiracy theories around, around as I say, his sponsorship and one thing or another. But anyway, it's, it's really... But the other thing that's very interesting is that we think that um, the scandals in, in American presidency is relatively recent. I suppose from Nixon up with, with yeah. you know, all the she other actors Trump, as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, but of course, it was going on. It, right, I mean, right, this was this was right, going on behind right, the yeah. scenes, and I have no doubt that there were many other, many other American presidents who had similar, uh, similar backstories and similar yeah. uh, tales occurring behind the scenes. But it is amazing to think that uh, the person with the, you know, the the most powerful man, man on the planet essentially can get away with this kind of stuff and was able to get away with this kind of stuff in office. But it just shows that they are human, like you and me. Which are uh, yes. And uh, it, I mean, it appeared during his presidency that Kennedy was godlike. And look at all that emerges about him. Look at all that emerges about him. You know, there are numerous, there are several tales from several American presidents and yeah. their backstories are fascinating like that. You could write, and books have been written on them. Books yeah. have been written on. There's plenty of information out there if people want to go that's, seeking that's it. That's for sure. What should we be looking out for in in the coming week, Thomas? Well, we had the Rugby World Cup in France kicking off this weekend. Of course, another big sporting event coming to France within the next year, the Olympic Games. And President Macron has been out in force saying that there would be no Russian flags at the 2024 Olympics. 
He's right, I think. I think there's been a lot of controversy about Russian stars, Russian sporting athletes competing in world events. I think when it comes to an event with the prestige of the Olympics, of the Olympic Games and the global media covering, uh, Russia has to be exposed. It can't uh, it can't be allowed to just walk in and compete in these games uh, unhindered. And that's essentially what Macron is saying. He said that Russian athletes may be able to compete, but it will be alongside a neutral banner. Uh, so unless something changes radically, that is the, the stance mm. the French president is going for. And, uh, and do you think that Russian athletes will compete under that sort of a, a banner, do you think? It's, it, it, it remains to be seen. I think yeah. a lot of them will. I think a lot of them... Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, will have been training hard. Some with maybe one of the more hardline views who support the war uh, will stand back and and stay true to their ideals. But I think a lot of them are are lukewarm on the war, are lukewarm on the invasion. A lot of them would operate within kind of the Western sphere in terms of competitions and international competitors and that. I think they will choose to to perform in the Olympics regardless of whether Russia is accepted or not. But it is a particularly interesting situation and we can take a look at it in more details as you know, as yes. it approaches closer to the time. The European Commission president uh, as well, we need to look out for what she's yeah, up to. Yeah, a, a new term as president. Will she stay on? Ursula von der Leyen, this is the woman they're talking about. They're talking about her as a new secretary, secretary general of NATO, which is a particularly interesting position. The main man there, Jens Stoltenberg, is due to step down in another while and they're saying maybe von der Leyen will take over. That, of course, will open up a key position in Europe. And I don't know about you, but I can think of a, a few Irish heads who would be bopping around well, there. Well, I'll be speaking to Michal Martin on the programme tomorrow. If you... <laughs> Well, you can ask him directly from me. You can yes. tell him Thomas Conway was just wondering, uh, <laughs> yes, indeed, would yeah. he be interested in the Commission presidency? Yeah. Uh, he all could sorts well, of speculation around that. All sorts of speculation. Yeah. All sorts of speculation. Even speculation around Leo as well. Yeah. Uh, there are a number of figures, but there are a number of figures across Europe. I think what is likely to dictate this will be the European elections next year and what way they pan out. Uh, if there is a, a strong showing in support of, of we'll say, the centre-right European mm. parties, the European People's Party, it's likely we'll have another candidate from them. If there's a candidate from the left, if the left do particularly well, that candidate, uh, then they would probably put forward a candidate. So it depends a lot on which way these elections uh, pan right. out but, in the coming weeks we were to or in the coming months. predict the European elections, I think the right will probably... The right will probably prevail or will probably showing, do yeah. as well as anyone. And it could be the yeah. far right, which is, which is worrying. And, you know, it doesn't bode well necessarily for... Uh, for European politics that we see these far-right parties creeping into power but it is the way, it is the general trend in which things are flowing. Might be well worth a quick mention as well of what's happening in Mexico as well with the abortion issue. There. Yeah, and a court has decriminalised abortion yes. across Mexico, Mexico as as you've said there. Uh, it's, it's a particularly interesting judgment. It comes two years after the court ruled in favour of a challenge to the existing no- law in one of the northern states, Coahuila. So yes. this is a very interesting development and it's very much a Catholic culture very much a Catholic country like a lot of Latin American countries Mm. and Southern American countries huge Catholic ethos huge Catholic following in the country so it has been controversial but Mexico is a country undergoing rapid change and it is also on the cusp of a potentially historic presidential election. It's on the cusp of electing a female president for the first time in its history. The current president, Andres Manuel López Obrador, AMLO they call him for short, is coming to the end of his term 
uh, as president on a presidential election is due. There are two female candidates. Luisa Gonzalez is one of them, and Claudia Scheinbaum is the uh, is the main front runner. Uh, so much, much to watch. So there, much to watch sure. there, and she will certainly be a, a figure we'll hear a lot more about. All right, Thomas, always a pleasure. Pleasure, Fran. Thank you. Indeed. News and information is coming up. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.